HD 107.9 Life, James here with you uh, here today on a very, very special day here with Tom Basso. How are you going, Tom? Good, thanks, James. Great to have thanks you back on me. the show. And Amelia, how are you? Good, thank you. So it's been, it's a very exciting day for us because we've got together all of our uh, nominees for the Broadcaster of the Year Award for HD Radio and some um, special guests as well uh, along. But I guess more significantly different is we have the team from Jesuitical in the studio with us. Olga, how are you doing? Good, how are you guys? I mean... Let me start. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Okay. Well, hey, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure to have you here. Jesuitical is a podcast uh, from the US. They're based in New York City. They work for a magazine called America Magazine, which is kind of like one of the biggest sort of Catholic publications in the world. And Jesuitical is the youth uh, uh, podcast arm. You have a youth podcast arm of the yes, magazine. <laughs> of one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really wonderful and, and really great. We're going to put links to that up on our Facebook and our Instagram. So be sure to check us out there. But we're going to be having a lot of chats today all about kind of their podcast how it all kind of came together and um, some differences between Australia and the US and in, in all sorts of different ways, like everything from literally uh, like um, parish and school through to coffee quality. Uh, so we're hitting all the really big issues I here it's today. it's complicated show of all time. You think so? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> this is going to be our kind of really complicated, you know, uh, what's a really complicated movie plot? I don't know. Like Inception. Uh, the backwards or, one? Yeah. Inception. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is our Arch the Inception one. I need to get the Inception noise going then yeah we'll get that right. i'll get i'll get that going so we'll, we'll when we come into the next voice break i'll put my i'll get my inception button going good. very good lovely okay great ashley mckinless joins us hello I'm i can't so believe i just be say here. those words that's <laughs> crazy it's so amazing to have you here. If you've just joined us, the team from Jesuitical in New York are here with us today uh, doing our RGD show with our wonderful RGD announcers here too. So it's a pleasure to have you here. We were just having a little bit of a chat before about uh, how podcasting is different from radio broadcasting, which is essentially kind of what we do. Uh, and you've just done a, a wonderful one-hour workshop with our um, broadcasters here to talk through all this kind of stuff. From your point of view, Ashley, what do you think is the biggest fundamental difference between a podcast and a, just a normal radio show? I would say for me, it's the relationship that develops between the uh, podcast hosts and the listener. Um, it's a very intimate medium. You are you're you're talking maybe with your co-hosts, but you're really you're you are in the ears of the listener, um, and you often become a part of their their like their daily routine. You yeah. you have the podcast you listen to when you wake up. You have the one that you listen to on your commute, and it, they just get integrated in your life, and you feel like they're your friends. So I know the podcast that I listen to. I if I saw the host on the street I would just go up to them and like ask them about their baby or their cat because I just know so much about their lives and I feel like they should know me so that can that can probably get weird for people because you're like me Ashley you're a mega podcast junkie aren't you yeah, so what, what, what's top five for you at the moment podcasting oh okay so definitely I mean Jesuitical oh, of course <laughs> um, but no so I Slate is a media corporation mm -hmm. in the US and they come up with a lot of great podcasts I listen to the Slate Political Gab Fest is one of my favorites also the gist. Um, I love uh, Serial. They have a new season that uh, looks at uh, the criminal justice system in the U.S. Um, unorthodox, of course, which is like the Jewish version of Jesuitical. Mm -hmm. um, 
trying to now I'm blanking, but those are those are some of my favorites. They're pretty good. You? There's a lot there. <laughs> oh look, I love all those. The yeah. the slate podcasts are great. I love yeah. slow burn. Yeah. Um, that was that was good. excellent. Um, Trump cast I always liked. <laughs> well, I liked it more before the election. I'll say to be honest. Yeah. No. The ones after took on a much it's more kind sober of quality. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's gone on a little bit, but yeah, those ones as well. And I love um, oh, this heavyweight. American life. Oh, heavyweight. This American Life yeah. will always be kind of my my number one. Ira is my mm-hmm. super friend, and I haven't actually asked because you and uh, Zach, you both live in Brooklyn. We do. Is that right? Yes. So if I was to ask you if you've met um, anyone who does a Gimlet podcast at all, because that's also in Brooklyn, because of course you're in Brooklyn, you know each other. Yeah, right? everyone. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I run into them all the time. All the time? <laughs> no. no. I wish. Uh, Tom, we were just chatting a little bit before um, from your point of view about how podcasts are different. What, yeah. In your view, what do you see as the big fundamental differences? Well, I'm fascinated with the difference between radio and podcasts. I think podcasts are like the Netflix of radio, I think, and it's amazing what the we, Netflix of radio. Uh, yeah. Like on demand, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that's sort of started the trend. And we were learning before with the um, the workshop we did earlier, which is great. Yeah, yeah. About how the difference between a year ago, no one's no one's listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. maybe besides you, James. But now everyone <laughs> yeah, listens, everyone's got a podcast. <laughs> everyone can list podcasts. At the top C- of Serial had like 500 million downloads and it was all me. It was all you. <laughs> I, it was all me. We did. We saw, we were doing some research before the workshop and we saw that 72% of Australians um, at least know what a podcast is. Maybe yeah. not are routinely listening to it, but it's definitely becoming more popular, I think. Okay. is that How does that compare to the American audience? It's actually audiences? more. Really? Which we were surprised by. Oh, yeah. right. Represent. <laughs> But yeah. it's mostly just you, I think. So, right? Olga, you weren't a big podcast listener before being a podcaster yourself. Exactly. Has that changed much since you've been doing your own? Definitely. I think my appreciation for the platform has definitely grown. And like we mentioned in the workshop, you learn by listening to other podcasts and seeing what they do well, what doesn't work. So I, I've definitely listened to much more. Um, and I listen to like their voice technique. I listen to how they whether they repeat themselves or if how comfortable they are with making mistakes. Um, and it's definitely definitely helped me on Jesuitical a lot. Now, do you do uh, do you do that thing of when you're like listening, driving along or on a commute or whatever, and you hear them doing that and you go, oh, bad move, or oh, that's nice, I'm, I'm gonna do that later. My favorite podcast is called Bodega Boys. It's two comedians from the Bronx and they have a studio that they always record in. And then for a while there was something wrong with their studio and their mic technique was, their equipment was really, really poor. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't listen to this. The quality of this is yeah. just totally different. But that comes entirely from the fact that Jesuitical has taught me how great equipment has to be yeah you know? exactly and you you're the sound of Jess Whittacle is amazing you've got your studio because I've seen the, the clips of you guys in your studio mm-hmm. what is with that studio it's kind of ridiculous I know, it's I know. over the top even your bench it's kind of this yeah. blue light our guests always thing. come in and they're just like oh you guys have like an actual studio and we're just like yep this yeah, is a- it, it was created to be both a video and audio studio yeah. so like it has like the background that you would expect for like a daytime TV show mm-hmm. or a news show um, but then we just like kind of plop in there and bang out a <laughs> podcast i'd love to see you guys do a daytime tv show <laughs> you know we're crossing to sponsors and you know we're just going to stop right now because there's this fantastic breakthrough in mixing bowls <laughs> <laughs> katrina's here from dano's direct or whatever <laughs> anyway caitlin and amelia join me how you going guys good thank you great to have you here and zach davis from jesuitical how you going i was gonna say jesuitical media but i was mixing america media and the jesuitical podcast together yes but it's so good to be here i'm so happy to be on rhd radio so great fantastic Fantastic. Let's go. We were just having a little bit of a chat before when we were talking about kind of what we were going to discuss on the show. And one of the fundamental differences in Australia, and we were even talking about this on the car, like Mm -hmm. it literally took us like 
seven minutes to get into this discussion yes. after meeting each other yesterday yep. about that whole like, thing of relationship that a lot of people have here in Australia with parishes being linked to schools. And Caitlin, you were saying that your first real experience of kind of like Catholic life, parish life, yeah. was actually at school because yeah. St. Luke's and Cardine College are, well, they're literally right on top of each other. Yeah, they are. So yeah. like St. Luke's is actually on the hill overlooking the school in a way. Yeah. So how, how was that for you experiencing sort of like parish in that way through school? So you do maths and then you do English and then all of a sudden you're in maths. Yeah. Is that kind of the sort of experience? It, it was very different because, I mean, I went to a public primary school. So then suddenly going into a Catholic high school where, um, yeah, you got your lessons, suddenly you're walking up the hill and going into a church. It's like... Wow, it was amazing, to be honest. I loved it. And Do you remember the first time and what that um, impression was like for you? The impression, like coming into a Catholic high school, I was quite surprised when we were suddenly doing prayer and homeroom. I right. was like, oh, oh, wow, it is really ingrained. And then going to Mass, I remember just being like, wow, like this is amazing. And I was just, yeah, I was just mind blown. I was loving it because I'd gone to church, but it was more of the Christian, Christian church, not like Catholic church. Sure, sure. And yeah, it was just amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Now, Amelia, you were going to church before um, you started in school, yes. but you but you did feel that um, the the kind of the school based parish experience was your formal introduction to it. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So I went to a Catholic primary school, and same thing, just being introduced to prayer early in the day, sitting in a prayer circle, everything was really intertwined with you know being a Catholic and so I was brought up from a very young age and then school kind of just taught me that like the different aspects of being a Catholic and that was really important for me having that as well as just church so then I could learn deeper about Catholic life. And what's your relationship with that like now? I mean, that was many years ago. You're now going into year nine, is that right? Year nine. So what's your relationship with church like now and how much of that is a part of of where you are at school? Um, So, yeah, our parish and our school back at Marymount, I'm now at the New Champagne campus, we were very linked together and we'd always had the parish priest come in, so it was kind of more of a community. And then we would do stuff with the parish as well. So... We would go to church with some other of the primary schools in the same parish and it was just more of an integrated community which made it really special. What do you think about that, Zach, listening to that? Because you came from a public high school in the US and this whole idea of school-parish relationship is something that you don't really do so much. Yeah, there are Catholic schools in the States that are connected to parishes, but it's sort of uh, not the case that... most Catholic kids are going to those schools. And so there has to be this whole infrastructure set up for all the kids who are going to the public state schools, how are they going to be involved in the parish or how are they gonna get the religious education in general? Right. And so what you'd have, I had growing up was, we'd have what's called CCD or sort of religious ed where you'd go- What once, does that stand for, CCD? Uh, Catholic, I don't even remember. It was- uh, <laughs> it, it sort Clearly of made at, an impression. Yeah, we had we had PSR, Parish School of Religion, I think was what we did. Okay. But the idea is, so all the public school kids would come uh, once a week to the Catholic school and we would sit in their desks and rearrange their stuff while we were taught sort of religion by a volunteer uh, for about an hour. And so it sort of created this these dual tracks of religious education. You had the kids who went to Catholic school and the kids who did not. Right, so th- essentially as, as you grow up, then all your foundational relationship with church is through family or through? I think it's through family, but it's sort of just through mass once a week. Um, right. And then sort of being plugged into a parish. So even if you're not 
involved in any Catholic school, there are still a lot of different parish organizations for you to be plugged into, like a youth group or, or what have you. All right, can you talk a little bit about your kind of experience in church, like then going through from that kind of early schooling thing to where you are now? Because you've been very involved in, in church in many different aspects through your life up until now. How old are you now? You're in your now late I'm, 20s? Uh, 25. Okay. Yeah, so almost late 20s. I said late, didn't I? That's not well, late. Well, That's not late I turned 20s. 20, I turned 26 in about a month, so I think I was, If I was 25 and people called me late 20s, man, I would have had them for that. <laughs> well, I'm a forgiving person. Okay, today, you are. Today, no, there you go. Today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I knew I wanted a parish, you know, graduating from university and moving to New York. Um, and there are, you, you throw a rock and you can hit four churches from where you're really? standing anywhere in New York. Yeah, they're sort of, especially in Brooklyn, they're all over. Um, Is that Catholic churches or churches Catholic, of any kind? Churches of any kind, but Catholic churches too. You know, you can wow. have a lot of different options, I suppose. Now, those churches aren't necessarily full. Not right. all of them are, so it, it takes some time to kind of find one that you want to plug into, but it was definitely something I knew I needed. And so what I did was I went to, I took a recommendation from my Jesuitical co-host, Ashley. Uh, she had a parish that she loved in Brooklyn Heights, um, in downtown Brooklyn, excuse me, where I was able to be plugged into the young men's group there. So we, there's a group of young men that meet in the mornings before work. Um, for some like prayer and discussion. Um, I was able to like do some face sharing with some of the older people in the in the parish as well. Because um, as a young person, it's really important, I thought, to get invited into the homes of some of the older parishioners. Sure. Um, and that's sort of your, that's been my experience of parish life now. Right, okay. So, and do you still do this, this men's group in the morning? Is it something you've continued on with? Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually helping lead it this year, which has been really exciting for me. But waking up uh, 6 a.m. side of things when I don't have to is not always fun. Um, but it's important. So, uh, it, and it's I've gotten a lot out of it. And it's important to be with some other young men because that's not something that happens in Brooklyn all the time. Marianne Mayo, Rachel Park. Hello. Hey, how are you going, James? It's great to have you here. We are here today with the team from Jesuitical as well. Ashley McKinless joins us. Hey, Ashley, how are you going? Um, Great to have you back. I really wanted to talk to you about something in particular, um, starting off really with a video that was uh, posted on YouTube last year that that I loved and we've all kind of watched here. I'm going to just play it uh, for people to kind of watch. Here we go. Just the opening bit and then we'll kind of take it from there. I'm Ashley McKinless, associate editor at American Magazine, and this is my dad, Rich. He's a great guy, but we don't see eye to eye on everything. Did you vote for Hillary Clinton? I did not. Favorite president? Ronald Reagan. Supreme Court Justice? The late Justice Scalia. Government regulations? Too many? Way too many. Global warming? Shouldn't be a hard question. Okay. So how did you end up with Muslim refugees living in your house? Yep, Rich is a card-carrying member of the GOP. So when I came home last April and found a family of Muslim refugees living in the spare bedroom, I had to know more. So, (laughs) Ashley, you're chucking away while that's going. What was that like filming that? Oh, it was was so fun. I, I... Love my dad, obviously. So yeah, getting yeah. to interview him for work was really, really special for me. And it was a message I really cared about. Um, we were doing this at a time um, in the United States when the country was very divided um, over the issue of refugees and migrants. Um, it was during the uh, when the 
presidential contest with President Donald Trump, who has made his uh, feelings about Muslim res- refugees known. Um, yeah. And so I wanted I wanted to create something that would challenge the narrative that refugees are like a left-right issue. Yeah. Um, and I thought my dad's uh, story, being a very conservative Republican, um, who nonetheless nonetheless uh, welcomed refugees into his house, would would challenge people on both sides of the political spectrum. So. When we're in in a point, I mean, the point that you made about it being refugees being a left and right issue, he's clearly sitting on the right of of a lot of different things. You know what we consider now to be the right, which is kind of interesting. Consider this is what I'm searching for. Interesting uh, that that climate change is considered to be like a left wing issue, and and a whole bunch of other things are considered to be left wing, but. How is it that he finds himself in this particular point where he's conservative in so many things, but he sees the the not just the value but the need to be a part of making a difference in this area? Yeah, no. So he he um, is a deeply faithful Christian, um, and he has always taken that to mean that you follow the biblical command to um, serve the poor and welcome the stranger. Uh, so he takes that seriously. Uh, like he is a Christian before he is a Republican. Um, and so when the opportunity arose to um, to help a family that desperately needed it, he didn't, it wasn't really a question of like, oh, does this fit in with my politics? It was looking at the person in front of him and, um, and serving them and are they still there now they aren't but they they live about 30 minutes from from my family in arlington virginia and we are still very close with them um they probably see my parents once once a month or so um you know it, the goal was to have them live there for a couple of weeks just so that they could get yep. on their feet um in america just for context they were coming from um afghanistan the father mm-hmm. uh served as a translator and his life was threatened for helping helping the u.s that's a pretty common story that you hear yeah. isn't it definitely yeah. now um we see politicization, Rachel, that it's not just an American thing. We see it everywhere, especially in Australia, where those whole left-right issues around things like refugees and climate change and, and things like that. And it's something that you are that you feel very passionately about. Yeah, as a kind of someone who, between like being a millennial and um, of the Gen Z generation, I am, would consider myself like quite deeply leftist. Mm-hmm. My family, my Australian family, tends to be a lot more conservative in their views, whereas my mother and my sisters tend to be more leftist mm. in our views. Now, Marianne, you've been involved recently with a lot of the uh, the marches for refugees and, and things like yeah. that that are happening around Adelaide. What what are you seeing that is the feeling of the community or, or maybe the, the, the biggest difficulties that you guys are coming up against in terms of sort of like um, just changing the hearts and minds of people in the community? I think it's really, um, it can be... It can be quite challenging when talking to other young Catholics, especially, and to have sort of a big... Really? Catholics? Yeah. um, It's really, it's interesting. It's also a little bit, it's obviously disappointing in some aspects as well, but to have people who say that we should um, love one another and do these kinds of things, not necessarily think that immigration um, or the way that we treat migrants is an issue in this country when it obviously is. Yeah, I don't think that it's something that... um, needs to necessarily have so much political connotation associated with it. I think that Mm. it's something that is every single human being has a right to dignity and safety and and to life. And I think that that's the core of our Catholic faith. So I think that that gives us the answer of what 
we really should be doing yeah. to support these people. We've got lots more coming up. We're going to be chatting. Oh, we've got to seriously break open. You thought that issue was heavy? We're breaking <laughs> open coffee in the next break. <laughs> the differences between Australian and American coffee, and we're going we to go hardball on this one. Zachary joins us. How are you going, Zach? I'm going great. Good. Kaylin Alexander. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great. Great to have you back. We have yeah, not no. been on the show for Yonks, dude. I reckon it's possibly nearly been a year. No, it I hasn't. I reckon. Oh. When were you on with Rachel? When Was that the last one you were on? Was that the last you one? You know, I don't yeah. even know. Maybe I have been on. I was, was on show. in 2018. I don't even know. You were on. You were on was a few I? times. Oh. Anyway. Good oh, to know good. it's so memorable. <laughs> Mary Ed is still with us because yes. we've got to hit the big issues now. The, so the you've had stuff. The, the stuff. So <laughs> yesterday when I picked you up, we kind of got to the hotel and I had a real fear. I thought your first impression of Adelaide Coffee is going to be the instant sachet in the hotel room. Yes. It was a real genuine fear. Um, but you intervened. You- I did intervene and fortunately I said, you know, I saw a Chibo down the road going, okay, you go there, you'll be safe. And this morning you did it? I did. I didn't even bother messing with the instant coffee in the room. Yes. I went straight for Chibo. Ashley somehow can get through it. She has the antidote or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> she just cast-eyed yeah. stomach that could actually I, I, repel I, the, the demon. That is <laughs> the instant coffee, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I thank you for you know seeing that injustice and stepping in. Absolutely. you got to do it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a human issue. It's not so, a left yeah, or right I, issue. I loved, the, I loved the Chibo coffee. It was, it was good. But, it this is good. Part, but uh, having been in Australia for about a week now uh, we thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the differences in Australian and US coffee now where's a good place to get coffee for you guys in Australia Marianne what's your number one uh, Chibo is good. They have mm. a good loyalty program as well. So oh, do they really? They Stamp your card? Yes. Five, like, five, get one so free? It's electronic. They've got an app and everything. You can order on your phone before you go in. No, you can't. That's yeah. really? Yeah. Order your coffee online? So it's mm. like Uber, Uber, Uber coffee. Uber, yeah. coffee, yeah. Uber Chibo. Uber caffeine. That's right. So Chibo is good. So Because you come from an Italian background, I yeah. expect you to be very, very snobby. I know that's, I, a, that's a genuine stereotype. I apologise. <laughs> it's all right. It's completely 100%. But high standards. I'm talking about high standards. High standard. Yeah. High standard espresso coffee drinker. Definitely. Okay. So Chibo's good. Kaylin Alexander. Okay. I just want to put it out there. Okay. Not all instant coffee is bad. I drink instant coffee <laughs> before work every that's day. Ri- and it's, yeah. Oh, you're serious. I'm, Some I'm dead, are better than I'm others. Set. Okay. So at Woolies, there's these instant coffee tea bags. Well, they're not tea bags. Yeah. They're coffee yeah. bags. And they're actually really good. I put two of them in my cup every day. I don't okay. believe you. No. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not allowed to diss it until you've tried it. Right. <laughs> you're talking. Really I know. What, I knew. I know what yeah, you're talking. You know you're talking about the Robert Tims one. Yes. yes. Okay. Really good. Oh dear. I like my coffee super strong, so I put two bags into oh one cup. God. It does I actually taste like espresso coffee. I've tried that. But one. the thing it's is, good. it's um, it's real coffee grind. That's in the tea and, bag. But so there's also, there really is instant coffee in it too, though. Yeah, there is. And, yeah. There is. <laughs> well, okay. But the best place that I go for my coffee is at my, my university. I go to UniSA, uh-huh. um, the East Campus, and it's a little coffee shop called Hot Cooled Kettle. The best coffee, I think. And I used to work in cafes and stuff, but yes. the best coffee, I reckon, comes from Hot Cooled Kettle. What's right. your go-to drink? I like a macchiato with a little mm. bit of almond milk because I'm nice. lactose intolerant. I can't have any other milks, so I nice. like them like that. And I like my coffee strong, so it's yep. basically like a shot of coffee. Yeah. So that's good. And almond milk, but almond milk would really change the the characteristics of yeah, coffee. So it, it would does. be, yeah. It's not as creamy. No. Um, if you leave it too long, it does separate. Like the liquid and the solid from the milk actually separate. So oh, it man. looks like off milk. And mm. everyone looks at my coffees and they go, 
your milk is off. And I'm like, no, 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 it's it's almond milk. And they're like, that's disgusting. But it's not. <laughs> it tastes all right. But no, yeah, if you leave it too long, it goes gross looking. But it's not as creamy and you can still taste the, str- the strength of the coffee, um, which I like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Zach, talk us through a kind of like a tourist's or maybe really more of a local's view of coffee. So, brewed coffee is still a thing. Oh, yeah, Whereas absolutely. now here, in Australia, you don't really see it much at all. It was used to be massive, but n- then it wasn't. Because we also, and we were talking about this too, that we don't really have diner culture. There no. is no Luke's Diner in the Stars Hollow of Adelaide. No, which is, <laughs> I think, a tragedy. Yes. But, but nonetheless, I think the biggest difference was uh, we largely do brewed coffee. You can get espresso drinks in the States, but I think more of the emphasis is on sort of perfecting the the brew process. And so, okay. Yeah, so I myself own several different uh, apparatus for brewing coffee. <laughs> so I've got a French press, I've got an AeroPress, I've got... What's an AeroPress? So, uh, so an AeroPress is same idea. So you it's this little single cup thing where you put the coffee grounds in and uh-huh. there may be like a medium grind, um, so like salt, and then you uh, get water at a certain temperature, pour it over, stir it, let it steep, and then you flip it over and sort of plunge it into mm. your cup. Whoa. Oh, That's yeah. And do you do it funky? Do you do it hot? Is that yep. with hot water? Hot okay. water, yeah. Uh, just just a little colder than boiling. Yeah, because uh, I was thinking for when you started describing, I thought it was one of those sort of like, what, what do you call it, Marianne? The, the cafe espresso, the, ta- the, the stove top ones? The percolator. The ones that oh, look yeah. like a kind of a. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can see what yep. you're doing. Interpretive dance, it, yeah. yeah. It's on like, the stove and like the water boils up. And it comes up the through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Bialetti almost. Like, yeah, yeah, Bialetti. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and then you've got the, the sort of the gooseneck kettles that you would pour over slowly uh, into uh, your, yourself rather than having machine drip it through. So you're okay. really controlling. Oh, yeah. like with the coffee filters and you pour it over the yeah, coffee filters. Yeah. Ah. And so that's sort of the, I, I'm a Brooklyn coffee snob. So I've got all these <laughs> different ways that I'm trying. And is that a Brooklyn thing? A Brooklyn coffee. That's different from a Manhattan. Manhattan coffee snob. Yeah. Which yeah, would, yeah. How would that be different? How would you personify that? Well, I think Manhattan coffee snobs, you, you're more likely to just sort of get this diner coffee sort of out of, at, from your bodega or from a street cart um, where it's sort of been brewed in a pot uh, and it might taste a little burnt, but it's maybe bad taste, but good for the soul. Okay. <laughs> so do you, because yeah. you live in Brooklyn, but you work in Manhattan. Yeah. So how, how do you live both sides of the line? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's difficult, but I think the the key is not forgetting the roots of the coffee experience, which really is the burnt diner coffee. Right. So even though you maybe try to move beyond that, you always need to come back to it. Yeah. Right. We're here with the crew from Jesuitical and Kaylin. Uh, we were talking about coffee before, mm. but the reason you were a little bit late this morning oh. was because of coffee. Okay. Yes. What happened? So- um, I got a nice coffee from um, Macca's and on my way down, I was wearing this cute little grey top and I spilled coffee all over myself. Now, luckily I had a bag of Goodwill clothes in my back seat and I managed to find a little dress and turned it into a top, which is what I'm currently wearing because I couldn't get the stains out and I had no way of getting them out. So I was about 15 minutes late because I was trying to work out how to fix my top. Well, you'd never guess that wasn't a fully thought about curated <laughs> outfit, Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> and better that it wasn't hot coffee. Oh no, that thank God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I was waiting at the lights and I've taken a sip and you know how sometimes you get coffee some places and they get coffee on top of your lid? 
Yes. I didn't yes. know that. And so I'm just sipping along and I spill it on myself and I look down and there's just coffee all over myself. Oh, and no. I'm like, mm. this is great. I'm so happy with myself. Why am I like this? Oh, a similar thing happened to me last week. I was coming into ArchD to do a show with um Tom and James. And I'm going to say Tom and Jerry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Tom and yeah. Jerry. Well, I'm the Jerry part of that. So thanks, Kaylin. You're welcome. Sorry, Kaylin, for that rude interruption. Please continue. <laughs> anyway, so I was sitting there eating breakfast and I'm wearing this beautiful top, one of my favourites. It's a band shirt. Um, and then I'm eating Whitbix, good old Whitbix. And then my brother runs in and the whole bowl just goes... <laughs> all over my shirt. I'm like, Mum, is there any chance I can get this out? I don't want to change my top. Nah. So that I, I was considering coming in with Whitbix all over my top. Okay. It was my favourite For how top. long were you considering that? <laughs> About five seconds. Okay. Yeah, so that happened to me last week as well, except with yeah. the Whitbix. I was, I was going to come in with my coffee stain shirt, but I thought, oh, probably not a good idea. We're seriously jinxed here in terms of clothing stains. Maybe we should get a sponsor like, you know, like Preen oh. or something. I was going to say, isn't there that stain remover who like specialises in red wine stains? What's that Ooh. called? I don't know oh, what it's oh, called. Oh, nappy sand. Oh, Is yeah, nappy sand. No, it's not nappy sand. Oh, because we, we use that though, because, yeah. Yeah, nappy sand, good old nappy sand. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> You know what nappy sand is, Zach? No idea. It's like um, it's like a it's a powdered. Well, it's I think it was originally called nappy sand because it's used for for making nappies white. You know, that's the whole thing before disposable diapers. Got it. I was like, I'm still. You're speaking English. I just realised that I was using using a word to explain (laughs) something. So yeah, before disposable ones came in, that would be what they used to nappy sand to bleach them, and now we use it for all our our clothing our clothing needs. That's super smart. We have tied to go pens that we carry. With us what do you call pens? It's a, like a pen, oh, no, so I've it's like a little those. stick, like the yep. size of a pencil or something. And then, uh, if you you spill something small, you just sort of like uh, draw on yourself with. Yeah, no, uh, no, I've well, seen while that. you're wearing it. Yep, while you're wearing it. Uh, and, and what it clears yeah, it that. while you're wearing it. Supposedly, yes. It doesn't it, just leave a big like soap smear down. And you go, hey, I'm ju- sorted now. Just, <laughs> just for about five or ten minutes, and then you know you stand out in the sun and dress yeah, you up. You're good. Exactly. Well, it's been I'm awesome having you on, Zach. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much, you Ashley and uh, Olga, for this wonderful masterclass for these students. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Yeah. No, we've had an amazing time. Thanks so much to, so, to James and Archie Radio. It'd be great. It may be at some point down the line, and I'm just springing this on you now, so you can't great. say no. <laughs> Excellent. Is maybe we can do some sort of like Skype link up show at some point down the road as well we would be happy to do that that sounds yeah. rad let's yeah. do that that's fantastic we are here every wednesday night from nine every saturday night from 10 stay tuned to 107.9 life for more of your music and we will see you again in a few days bye see bye. ya